DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Missionary Benedictines of Christ the King Priory, presents The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vildi. Father Mauritius did his philosophical, theological, and doctoral studies in Rome. He is the author of numerous books, including I Want to Understand You, Encountering Foreign Worlds with the Little Prince, The New Image of God's Image, Meister Eckhart on Image and Theology, Peter and Paul, Models of Decision-Making, and On the Way, Benedict's Journey for Spiritual Maturity. Father Mauritius also serves as the prior of Sant'Anselmo's in Rome. The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, a spiritual path for today's world, with Father Mauritius Vildi. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Welcome, Father Mauritius. Thank you for having me, Chris. The opportunity to be able to really enter into the role of St. Benedict, it, it helps not only how we live, but how we express our Christian faith. And it can be very difficult in today's world to actually live it out, can it? That is right. And today I want to share with you a very practical thought um, that St. Benedict presents to us in Chapter 4 of his rule. He's saying, make peace before the sun goes down. This is so helpful for any kind of community for a Benedictine community, as well as for a family, I guess, or whenever people live together, it is good to make peace before the sun goes down. Practically speaking, as as Benedictine monks, we remind ourselves at the beginning of Compline, which is the last prayer of the day, we take a few minutes in silence, reflect on the day, and then say the confiteor, the I confess to Almighty God. So that helps us to be okay with this day, with ourselves, with God, and with our brothers and sisters, to be at peace. So it's, it's, of a, it's a big advantage to go to bed in peace and not kind of have the the grudge and the anger and the sadness and the frustration, whatever, um, and take it to bed and then it, it's still bothering you during the night. So we don't want to have this. So it has a kind of, has something to do with our health, actually, that we try to let this all go and give it back into God's hand at the end of the day. It's one thing, Father Mauritius, to try to make peace with someone that is in your immediate presence, someone you can contact. Is it another in trying to be at peace because of situations, whether it's in the world in a bigger picture, maybe it's something, an experience at work? I mean, those things that that we may not be able to under our own efforts to to make peace. This is very true. I would say probably 80% of the conflicts we suffer from, we cannot solve tonight, (laughs) (laughs) until tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, Although these 20% would already help, I would say. And more important is that we ourselves are at peace with the situation as it is. Mm 
This is the point. Or in other words, um, let ourselves be exposed to the mercy of God, to the mercy of God, because he is the one who makes his sun rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. It is just a fact that his mercy is for all, even for those who hurt us, who we are in conflict with, who are difficult for us. It's the same sunset for them, and the next morning the same sunrise. So this can encourage us to believe that at least from God's part, he is working hard to resolve those conflicts and to give us peace. It's very difficult often to forgive. We are called to forgive. How is that connected in this expression of the rule? I think we have to distinguish between forgiving and forgetting. Mm. Some people say, oh, I, I forget and I forgive, and it's kind of the same for them. I wouldn't agree. In a way, we cannot forget because what we have experienced is stored in our brain. This is the, the purpose of the brain, <laughs> mm -hmm. to store everything like a computer. And so we cannot delete it. It's, for example, even with very bad injuries or hurts, it's like a trauma. It's, it's there in your brain. So we cannot forget Actually, I wouldn't even wish to forget because then I would wish for dementia mm -hmm. <laughs> or I would um, find other means to forget like drinking or doing something that makes me forget. So this, this cannot be the solution. The solution can only be to still let those things be there. They are there. But that was the past. And say, God has still more options than I even can think of. He lets the sun shine, rise, and lets the sun rise over good and bad people, and he's merciful with everybody, so he can turn a situation. He really can, even if I don't see a chance. The, the reason that I don't see a chance to, to turn it is, because my brain is just wired like this. This is what I have learned. This is what I expect. God has more possibilities and more options. So forgiving means to let God enter the stage and let him turn the situation. In a way, I, I came to the conclusion over the last years that in a way, it is not possible to forgive. It's just not human in a way, you know. If somebody has hurt you, why should you forgive him? So the, the forgiveness comes from God alone. God forgives me. And this is how I can forgive the others. You might remember this uh, beautiful passage in Matthew 18, the parable of the unforgiving servant. Mm. Um, actually, Peter asked Jesus, 
Lord, if my brother sins against me, how often must, must I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus answered, I say to you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. That is why the kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who decided to settle accounts with his servants. When he began the accounting, a debtor was brought before him who owed him a huge amount. Since he had no way of paying back, his master ordered him to be sold along with his wife, his children and all his property in payment for the debt. At that the servant fell down, did him homage and said, Be patient with me, I will pay you back in full. Moved with compassion, the master of that servant let him go and forgave him the loan. When that servant had left, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a much smaller amount. He seized him and started to choke him, demanding, pay back what you owe. Falling to his knees, his fellow servant begged him, be patient with me, I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had him put in prison until he paid back the debt. Now when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply disturbed and went to their master and reported the whole affair. His master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you your entire debt because you begged me to. Should you not have had pity on your fellow servant as I had pity on you? Then in anger his master handed him over to the torturers until he, he should pay back to the whole, the whole debt. So will my heavenly Father do to you unless each of you forgives his brother from his heart. And Chris, I had a situation where this really happened to me, that my superior um, forgave somebody I'm responsible for, and I did not. So kind of the one who was on top of me was forgiving and merciful, and I was not. And it turned out to be a curse for me. <laughs> it was very interesting. It turned out that, in a way, I cannot hold back this stream of mercy and forgiveness that came from my superior. And if you take kind of the same um, schema to, um, to, to God, our Father, who is merciful, so God forgives, and sometimes we just don't understand why he forgives. It's just not, we just don't want to believe it and don't want to hear it. So back to your question. Forgetting is not possible, but forgiving is together with God if we let him work for reconciliation. As you were speaking, Father, I was recalling that moment on the cross where it was Jesus who said, Father, forgive them. He didn't say, I forgive them. He's, he asked the Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And it seems as though we're not a Eucharistic people, are we, if we don't believe in the power of transformation and yeah. that somehow God does something, the Father does something, but we have to, just like we lift up the bread to become his body, we have to lift up that pain and that hurt to him. We have to be able to let it go, otherwise he can't, or he, 
he won't. He won't violate our will. He won't take that from us. We mm -hmm. have to be able to give it to him. Right. I'm so glad that you brought up this um, word of Jesus at his crucifixion. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. This is such a powerful word. It's incredible. And again, I once had an experience with it, not nearly as dramatic as <laughs> Jesus was in his situation. You know, he was about to die, and he said this in face of his killers, which is something I cannot even imagine what that means. But I experienced a very bad situation where somebody treated me really, really bad, really mm -hmm. mean. It, it was evil. You could really see that the evil was, something evil was going on. And so this person kind of um, um, gave me a deadline for a decision, and um, it was just not fair, and the whole thing was just wrong. And But I was incredibly under pressure, and I lived through a night of agony. It was, it was one night, and I could not sleep, but I could not pray. I couldn't do anything. It was just terrible. And then towards the morning, I tried to pray again. It was not possible. But then I took a shower, and all of a sudden under the shower, I heard exactly this word, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And then I heard, forgive him, this person, because he does not know what he does. I just heard this word. I couldn't grasp it with my heart. I couldn't understand it. I just heard it. So what I did, I went to this meeting where I, where I met him, and I went there with this attitude. I forgive you. You don't know what you're doing. And you know what? I was very strong. I was very self-confident. I said my things. Um, but I was not attacking. You know, my hurt was gone. It was not, I, I not even know if it was gone, but it was kind of overwritten by this forgiveness. So I was really, I wouldn't say I was super loving to this person, but I was just okay. I forgave him. And you know what? He sensed it. He sensed it right away. And that was so powerful that he kind of stopped all the pressure that he had put on me before. The plans he had, he took it all from the table. It was all, the whole thing was solved in, in five minutes. And it was just because, this is how I attributed it, it was, came through God, but it came through the fact that I was with God at this point and, and not attacking, but just forgiving. And this is transforming. This is not even, it was transforming for myself and it was transforming for the other person. I will never forget that. So the forgiveness is such a wonderful way to, yeah, to live with each other and also to go through those difficult situations. Forgiveness and mercy are so connected, aren't they, Father Mauritius? Yes, they are. They are. God forgives us 77 times and even more often because he's merciful. And I came across just recently 
um, about a Jewish midrash that tells a story about the two thrones of God. It's a very interesting story. So God usually sits on a throne, and this is the throne of judgment. So he judges. But once in a while, so this Jewish story and interpretation, he he's maybe a little bit bored on this chair, or he's even he sees that doesn't really help to sit on this chair, so he has a, a different throne, and this is the throne of mercy. So he changes once in a while to the mercy seat. And this is an image that helped me very, very much, because what holds me back to be merciful and forgiving, it is my judgment. And here again, what I loved in this imagery was the judgment chair is still there. It is not that I, you know, the judgment I'm doing might be right, might be wrong, might be partly right or wrong, whatever, but judgment always ends a process. It is kind of a f finishing line. It is, it is a, an ending point. When I judge, that's it. That's my judgment. That's the end of the story. So as long as I judge a person, I don't give him or her the chance to develop, to grow, or to change. That's it. And I guess this is not how God is, not only. He will be this way at the end of the days. Then he will come as our judge, because then that's the end, anyway. But before this, he probably rather sits very much on the seat of mercy, and we, we in, a, in a minute we can talk about how much Jesus really was on the mercy seat rather than on the judgment seat. And so I, I kind of practiced this thing. And once I had a retreat, and we practiced this with the retreatants, what if I would change from the judgment seat to the mercy seat? And I tell you what, it is so different. Everything looks extremely different. You see that you are able to forgive, you, that you, you just look with different eyes. Still, the judgment might be true, but this is not the point at this point. You know, you just change the seat for a while, <laughs> and it is transforming. It is really transforming. So that, that is an image that, that helped me very much. Yeah, I'm recalling the uh, uh, teaching from uh, St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross, mm -hmm. Edith Stein. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll just paraphrase it. I can't do it the proper justice it deserves, but I'll, I'll give it this shot. That she talks about the importance of true compassion, uh, compassionating, essentially, within it's more than just sympathizing with someone's particular situation, but actually going in and sharing in their passion. It's a co-passion that within their heart, so you're you also walking with them. It's it's a solidarity that is very intimate, but it's it's like being Christ with them, and that is um, 
a type of merciful understanding, isn't it? A paradigm for mercy. Oh, yes. You describe it so beautifully. Um, it is really going to the person where he or where she is, uh, going seeking the lost sheep, if you wish. You know, the shepherd doesn't stay with with the other with the ninety nine sheep. He goes and uh, reaches out for this one lost sheep. So this is compassion, and when you read the gospels, you see this compassion all over in Jesus' deeds and words. Just one example that is so beautiful to me, the adulterous woman in John 8. So all the Pharisees are judging, and the scribes are judging this woman. And they are right. They just apply the law. They are right. There's nothing against that. So Jesus does not say, you are not right. Actually, they would wish that he says that. <laughs> In this regard, the judgment seat doesn't really help. So if Jesus would sit on the judgment seat in this particular situation, it wouldn't help. This is what causes all our conflicts at the moment in our country and around the world, that everybody thinks he's right. And that, that doesn't help to move forward. You can be right and still be compassionate and open. And this is what Jesus does. He bends down. Uh, to this woman, uh, kind of writes on the on the ground. So he is compassionate with this woman because you can imagine where was she? She was probably not standing upright. She was kind of somewhere on, really, uh, bowed down, and so she, he was he was next to her. He didn't judge her, but he also didn't kind of defend her. <laughs> you know, it was mm -hmm. also noticed. He was just with her. And then he this ingenious idea that he had to say whoever is without sin should throw the first stone um, that that must have been a divine uh, thought and idea and at this at this very moment so again God's forgiveness is kicking in Jesus is a channel for this forgiveness and that causes all the Pharisees and scribes who were mature enough at this point, thanks to God, to reflect on themselves and to see how much they depend on the mercy of God. And all of a sudden, this is a common ground for everybody, that everybody deserves the mercy, not only the woman. Actually, the Pharisees, they wanted to trap Jesus, which is a really mean thing. So they were sinners at this point. Both were sinners. But if Jesus would have started to judging the one and the other, he could have. He chose the mercy seat and was merciful to both at the end of the, the situation. He was merciful. Why was he riding on the, on the ground? Because he didn't want to uh, kind of control who is going away first, who is going away last. He, he didn't want to shame the Pharisees and he didn't want to shame the woman. This is why he was riding on the on the, on the ground, he didn't want to look at this this woman. He, in a way, he wanted to. He wanted them to judge themselves. This is what God wants. He can always judge, and he is right anyway. He is the truth. But he wants us. He trusts us as daughters and sons of God that we can judge ourselves in the light of God and the, and the gospel. So he wants us to convert. 
he he still has patience with us. He still is forgiving. And so at the end of the situation, everybody had converted just through the mercy that, that came across from, from Jesus. And certainly the truth was not erased by this. The truth was even more brought to light on all parts. So this is, this is what we can learn from Jesus. Rather apply mercy than righteousness or even self-righteousness. The law is the law, and this is given by God, and we can be thankful that we have it. It's our, our task to, to live up to it as, as much as possible. And if we cannot, we can always ask God for forgiveness. But we should be forgiving to others as well. We'll return to the Holy Rule of St. Benedict with Father Mauritius Fildi in just a moment. Did you know that you can obtain a free app which contains all your favorite Discerning Hearts programs? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Archbishop George Lucas, Father Mauritius Fildi, and so many more, including episodes from Inside the Pages, can be obtained on the Discerning Hearts free app. This also includes all the novenas and devotionals and prayers, including the Holy Rosary and Stations of the Cross, the Chaplet of St. Michael, and the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, all available on the Discerning Hearts free app. Visit the iTunes and Google Play app stores to obtain your free Discerning Hearts app today. The Memorari Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly to thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. If you have been blessed in some way by the spiritual nourishment and teachings offered freely by all those involved with Discerning Hearts programs, please consider a positive review for the various programs on the iTunes and Google Play stores. This is a great way to help the ministry and is an encouragement to others who are seeking the best in spiritual formation to find and check out the programs. Won't you please help? It's an easy way to help give back and to be a part of the mission. Thank you, and God bless from all at Discerning Hearts. We now return to the Holy Rule of St. Benedict with Father Mauritius Vildi. In that making peace before the sun goes down, again, so often in the conflict, if there's conflict present in this situation, it is fueled by the, a spirit of anger. It, sometimes people speak of a righteous anger or just a, or something that is not holy, but the, the fact is it, anger carries a heat to it. And that is part of that problem, isn't it? Yes, yes, it really is. And sometimes we are so angry that we just cannot forgive. 
We just we cannot get over ourselves. At those situ situations, I would recommend to pray, to start praying, God, give me the grace to forgive. Give me the grace to be merciful. Just this prayer. Again, I don't have to take away from I'm right. Just leave it. You know, it's stored in my brain. It's good there. It's 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 there, <laughs> you know. And God sees the whole truth. So I don't have to to take care of this so much. When I'm stuck in anger, I'm rather called to open myself to this God's mercy. And it's hard. It's hard. And this is why I'm saying sometimes we just can't. And that's okay. That's okay. God is even merciful with our angry mood and state. He's okay. But we, what we can do is we can pray, give me this grace to forgive. Give me this grace to be reconciled. So let's think about, for example, very bad things like somebody was abused. You, as a good counselor or pastor, you can recommend, forgive your perpetrator. You certainly can, but it takes time. It takes time, 77 times. So forgetting is not possible. But we can pray that at, at a certain point we will be able to forgive, but it is a pure grace of God. It really comes from him. But we shouldn't be desperate that when we cannot forgive. We can always pray for this forgiveness. And basically it is Jesus' and God's work who does it for us. In, in that process of forgiving or allowing that passage of time, whether it's a short or a long time, again, recognizing when there are those vices that are playing a role which does not facilitate peace at all, to deal with the anger or the jealousy, to identify the envy or the whatever it is that could be fueling a particular situation to identify that and also to seek a healing from that. Having that removed can help facilitate in the long run the other parts of the forgiving. It doesn't mean it's going to happen instantly, but at least you're acting more out of a peaceful heart in trying to reconcile as opposed to being fueled by this really a terrible fire. Right. I agree. Um, we have also to distinguish between forgiveness and reconciliation. These are two different things. Mm. I forgive somebody by God's grace, but that does not mean that we are reconciled yet. Reconciliation means that the other person forgives me too. Then we are reconciled then we are at full and perfect peace. But again, this is a gift, and I cannot control what the other person is doing. I just can't. So my part can only be to forgive and then pray that the other might also be ready to forgive. But I shouldn't, I can pray for it, but I shouldn't even expect it. Because this is not my business. It's the other person's business. He will be in front of the judge at the end of the days, and the judge will ask him, were you merciful? So this is his business. We, shouldn't, we should be extremely glad and happy when we receive reconciliation, 
But the part we can do is forgiveness. And as you said, um, so in, in other words, we can first create peace in ourselves. And this peace kind of irradiates even to the other, to the other person. Um, so we should pray for that we are at peace with which, with which whatever happened. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought up the distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation. I just know that it, it, I'll use the example in my own relationship in my marriage. Uh, my husband and I have been married for over 30 years. Uh, praise God for that. And and it's only by his grace we're able to, <laughs> to make it those many years. But what we've come to find that even in our own dealings when we have conflicts or we need to have those moments, that the model of the sacrament of reconciliation, while it's not the same as going and receiving it in the actual sacrament, we model it in our activity at home by we have to be able to say what we feel, acknowledge if there is something we feel that we're at fault with, or even to to have the other person hear what we're saying, to seek forgiveness. But there also might be a penance. And the penance may be, you just have to listen to my hurt. Mm -hmm. This is how this action, maybe that, that's part of it. You have to, because sometimes, I, Father, in, there is a difference between just saying, I'm sorry for something. It's almost like you're lobbing it out there. Mm -hmm. Okay, I, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I said I was sorry. Mm -hmm. But if you ask the person instead, do you forgive me? Mm -hmm. Then that's different. You're asking a question, and they may say no. Very much so. Uh, there's a phrase we often use, uh, I excuse myself. In a way, you cannot do this. You cannot excuse yourself. You can only ask for forgiveness. Um, so do you forgive me? Is that okay with you? And this is up to the other person to, to say it's okay with me. I cannot excuse myself. I suppose that could be looked on as the penance that by seeking forgiveness from somebody and it, part of the penance is they may say no or it may be having to listen to what the hurt is mm -hmm. and maybe even doing something to help facilitate mm -hmm. their healing. It, it's very humbling to ask somebody for forgiveness and it feels like a penance and probably is, that's, a, it, that's a penance but it is freeing. It is freeing. I have done my part. I ask you, please forgive me. But it's up to the other person. I don't know if he is able to or if he's willing to. I can pray for him, but that's all I can do. And my part again is to ask, please forgive me. I did wrong. I hurt you. I didn't want to hurt you. Well, in making that peace then before the sun goes down, it actually, it's about first making peace with yourself. Yes. There are basically three levels of being at peace with somebody. Being at peace with ourselves, being at peace with others, other people, and being at peace with God. According to my experience, the easiest uh, access 
to this state of forgiveness and peace is to be at peace with others. This is even easier than to be at peace with myself and with God. Because to be at peace with myself, huh, I'm so close to myself <laughs> that sometimes sometimes we are, are our own we are very hard judges of our own. Gosh, if we would write down what we tell ourselves every day and every hour and every minute, we are judging ourselves constantly. That was not good enough. That was bad. You could have done this earlier. Blah, 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 blah. Constantly. To be at peace with ourselves means to forgive ourselves how we are and who we are at this point. There's a beautiful quote from the first letter of John, chapter 3. It says, For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knows everything. So our own heart condemn us. We We are so hard on ourselves, but God's heart is greater. He is more loving and forgiving as we ever can be. This is why we shouldn't um, judge ourselves too much if we cannot forgive. It is really too much for a little human heart. It's just too much. But God's heart is, is greater. So this is a big grace to be at peace with ourselves and and. I guess nobody has got this yet and we are still working on it but one can improve over the over the years to be more at peace with ourselves and then kind of the next step is then easier than to be at peace with others is an easier thing but as I said it makes sense to begin to forgive others first because that helps us to forgive us ourselves and the kind of um, most difficult part is in my eyes to forgive God And this might sound a little strange. Why should I forgive God? <laughs> He forgives me. No, no, no. Um, this is a big one. Um, do I forgive God how he is? Do I forgive God how he has treated me in this life? How he has made me? What has happened around me and to me? Am I okay with me and with my life? Um, Because if not, then I'm not at peace with God. So th this is a big one. And again, this is a great grace if at certain moments we really feel now I'm at peace with God. And when I'm at peace with God, then I'm at peace with everybody and everything, with myself, with others, then everything is good. Well, you bring up a very important block, I think, in the spiritual life. And correct me again if I'm wrong, Father, but... There is that feeling inside where we may have an anger towards God. I don't understand why you allowed this to happen. Why did you put me in this family? Why did I end up in this circumstance? And then there's the added layer that says, how dare I be angry with God? How can I be angry with him? But I am, but I'm not. I can't. And then there's a shame that comes in, and it becomes this almost this giant spitball of a mess of, uh, that just sticks to us and, and blocks 
so much because we, again, we're angry, but we're ashamed to acknowledge it. We're almost fearful to acknowledge it because what if I get angry with God? He'll get even more angry with me. You see, there's a whole bunch of things playing in this that I think is very difficult Mm -hmm. for some. Right. And just too much for our little human heart. This cannot be solved by ourselves. So God is merciful even when he looks at our anger with him. He can stand it. He can stand it. He stood it, actually, in Jesus Christ. People were throwing stones at him, were crucified, crucifying him, but he, he could take it. But this is why Jesus came. He brought the reconciliation with God. This is, we are, here we are at the heart of our Christian faith. What was the purpose of Jesus' coming? Exactly this. We read in Romans chapter 5, Indeed, if while we are, were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, how much more, once reconciled, will we be saved by his life? Not only that, but we also boast of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. So we have this word reconciliation here three times in in, in two verses. God, and we hear this during confession, I just love this phrase, God has reconciled the world to himself. See, he has reconciled the world to himself. Only he can do it because you always need kind of two people to be reconciled, two parts. And he did it in himself. And by doing this, he reconciled everybody and everything with himself. And our job is only to be with Jesus, to stand under the cross, and to receive this stream of forgiveness and mercy and let this flow into our lives. He is reconciled with us. And in this way, we are also reconciled with him. His mercy is always bigger, if you wish, as his, than his judgment. So this is why Jesus came, to free us from this tension that you described, from this um, confusion, going back and forth with anger, frustration, whatever. And everybody has, has this. We don't talk about this too often. But... Um, here, I'm, I love to be a Christian because in Christianity and also in Judaism, you can argue with God. You can express your anger with God. God is okay with this. There's so much anger in the Psalms and in the Old Testament, but also in the New. That's okay because it's, it's us. It's not pretty and it's not the end of the story. But this is all... Um, embraced by God's reconciliation. It's okay with him. This is what he told us on the cross. The thing is, we have to, again, give it to him. He can't change it unless you give it to him. I I know from my experience as a parent, and you, I'm, I'm sure in dealing with your confreres, that I can't help you with your problem, and you can be angry with me, but if you don't give it to me, you got to let go of it. Otherwise, I can't take it from you and fix it. Right. But, you, and, but we hold on to it, don't we? There's something about 
we just we don't want to to let go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's true. Saint Paul says in the second letter to the Corinthians, chapter five. So whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. And all this is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. So we are ambassadors for Christ, as if God were appealing through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So we can do something. We can do something. And this is to become ambassadors of this reconciliation, to become messengers of this forgiveness to tell the world each, to each other and to ourselves, God has forgiven us and he continues to forgive us and he wants to forgive us. So in order to be good ambassadors in this way, we are invited to pray that we are not so stubborn or hard-hearted not to receive this forgiveness. That's our problem, that we just cannot get over it. But that's okay. That's okay. He will get us, <laughs> finally. So what would you say, in a very practical way, to that person at the close of the evening and as they're reflecting on their day and what they have going on in the movement of their heart, what would you say to them? I would try to imagine this person because the person is living somewhere around the world that I'm in that I'm in conflict with and say I forgive you this doesn't count to me anymore I'm okay with it what happened happened but now I interpret what happened in a new light. I give it a new meaning. I want to give God the chance to forgive me and to forgive you and to look for ways of reconciliation. And I'm believing that you can make everything new. I might not see it tonight, but let's have a good sleep tonight, a couple hours at least, hopefully, and then maybe tomorrow morning things look really different as I surrender to God and gave him the chance to work on me. Any final thoughts, Father Mauritius? Yeah, maybe as a reflection for all of us, we could ask ourselves, what has hurt me? What is still bothering me? You know, sometimes we are carrying around grudges and we not even notice it. And it's so freeing as we become aware of it. First, it might be shameful or problematic, but then it's good to see it so and to acknowledge it. I was hurt. I was hurt. So look at it courageously and honestly. 
And the other question I would invite our listeners to reflect on is, whom do I want to forgive? With whom do I want to live in peace? Are there any people out there, maybe one person, with whom I would love to be reconciled? Whom do I want to forgive? And then I would invite you to just change from the judgment seat to the seat of mercy. Thank you, Father. You're very welcome, Chris. You've been listening to The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, A Spiritual Path for Today's World, with Father Mauritius Vildi. To hear and or to download this episode, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Holy Rule of St. Benedict, A Spiritual Path for Today's World with Father Mauritius Vildi.